Warning, we're not medical professionals. We're just two gross weirdos fascinated by bodily functions who read too much WebMD. This podcast will contain some pretty gross content, so listen at your own risk. Is it bleeding? Is it bruising? Is it spreading? Is it oozing? Gross! Fun! Cast! <laughs> Welcome to the first episode of Gross Podcast. I'm Katie. I am Jessica. And we're really excited to talk about gross stuff. What's going on with your body, Jessica? Um, today I laughed and I peed a little. <laughs> which makes me think I'm dying and getting old. <laughs> I pee a little, like, pretty much every time I laugh, I think. Or maybe I sneezed, I don't know, but I kind of that peed too. a little bit when I wasn't supposed to, and I realized that I'm just slowly creeping towards needing adult diapers. But who made the rules, right? Like, who says you're not supposed to pee when you laugh? That's true. Maybe I should just have thinks all the time and just only wear those underpants so that I can sneeze and pee all I want. Did you know that thinks has a whole separate sister line of underwear that is designed <laughs> for you to pee in? I think they should be our sponsors. <laughs> oh, that's a great idea. We should look into that. <laughs> How um, is your body? Other than peeing every time I laugh? Um, my body's okay. I feel like I've been extra lazy about showering lately, and that might be catching up with me, so I'm feeling extra gross for our <laughs> inaugural podcast. I think it's not a problem until you have a yeast infection. Well, <laughs> okay, if you have a yeast infection, then you need to take a shower. I do not have a yeast <laughs> infection right now. But I think I'm going to say it's not a problem until, like, right before you get a infection. <laughs> then it is a problem that needs to be dealt with right away. Did I ever tell you about when I was living in New York and I couldn't stop getting yeast infections when uh, it was very hot and humid? And so I set up a fan at the end of my bed <laughs> so that I could air out my vagina every night. <laughs> that sounds... So luxurious. I want a vagina fan. I wish I had like stirrups or something and it would have made <laughs> quite perfect. <laughs> well, good thing we have these spacious apartments. We could probably come up with something. <laughs> it doesn't get humid enough here, I feel like, to need a vagina fan, but... Oh, man. Like I said, I think that vagina fan would just be luxury no matter where you are. <laughs> Maybe um, down the line we can have merch. Um, genital fans. <laughs> you can clip on the end of your bed. Ooh, I like it. Okay, um, should we get started? Okay. So for our first episode, um, we thought we would just talk about stuff that we personally deal with, so it doesn't seem like we're, um, trying to make fun of or be grossed out by anybody else. Like, we're into this stuff because we like gross things, genuinely, we think it's really interesting, and it uh, it evokes um, a, a peculiar visceral response that I think is unique. So we both picked things that we deal with personally that are kind of gross, and we may deal with more mild 
um, versions of them most of the time. I feel like I also wanted to bring up that I feel like we're, I don't know, reappropriating gross to be mean, like, not actually gross, or they're, like, things that societally might be gross, but that we just, like, have this fascination with that we're trying to, like, not put a judgment value on, even though obviously gross is inherently a judgment value, but... The idea is things that people might think are gross that we're just like, wow, that's kind of cool. Yeah. And amazing. Yeah. And like some of the stuff that your body just does all by itself is, I, I don't know, it's pretty incredible. So yeah. we're here to celebrate that. <laughs> well, I feel like though, I remember we talked about when we first wanted to start this about like the concept of, was it? Instead of body positivity, like body neutrality, mm-hmm. and instead of forcing yourself to love yourself, even if you have like conflicted version or con- conflicted feelings about your body, that instead you can at least strive for like a stasis with your body and just being interested in it. Um, since we live in a world where it's pretty hard to fully love yourself all the time, yeah, <laughs> like, and that can always be something that you're you're working on, but I, I don't think that you have to have this, like, Instagram-y um, adoration for your own body just to get along with it and be able to use it the way it's intended, so. Yeah, or have it be validated only by being in a bikini. Yeah, on like, the yoga mat. i.e., if cis straight men find you attractive, then you still get to be a human being. On that note, anyway, <laughs> here's some stuff that probably most cis straight men do not find attractive. <laughs> the goal of our podcast, to turn off every turn cis straight off man we know. Um, so yeah, I am going to talk about herpes. I, like about 90% of the population, have herpes um, of the mouth and uh, most people in the world um, have herpes in some form, though most people don't show symptoms. Um, there's the type 2 and type 1. Type 1 is the one that I have, which causes cold sores, and type 2 causes genital herpes, although from what I've found, they can kind of be interchangeable or can cause each other, but not very often, but basically you have a cold sore, don't go down on somebody because that's probably not a good idea. Um, so, (laughs) but if you're like, I don't have herpes, you're probably wrong and you probably do. And you've probably given it to other people. You just don't ever get sores. So like me, Jessica and I have been sharing drinks and other stuff, microphones, all kinds of gross stuff (laughs) for like 10 years now. And I don't have herpes visibly so i probably do have it but we just can't see it also every time i've made out with somebody the next day i will break out in a cold sore like if it's a new person and i think even if it's people who swear up and down to me that they do not have oral herpes and that has happened once or twice and then i'm like no you do because i broke out in a herpes breakout and that really only happens when i'm exposed to other people with the herpes virus that Um, I haven't put my mouth on their mouth before. Also, tell people if you have herpes, that's a good idea, to be honest. So I'm going to talk about kind of the history of things to do with herpes. So apparently, and I like this, 
the name herpes comes from the Greek word herapian. I'm probably saying that wrong, which means to creep or to crawl. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> um, which... Uh, is how I imagine that when herpes just spreads all over your face. It's It's just just crawling. crawling. Also, it makes you look like a creep. Uh, (laughs) And I say this from personal experience. And so, yeah, it's the full, like, scientific name is herpes simplex virus, often abbreviated to HSV. So basically, if you don't know what herpes is, um, it's a virus, and it manifests as, like, Usually blisters. Um, uh. Sorry. <laughs> Not sorry. Um, uh, usually on the outside of your mouth, uh, but it can often also be on like your nose and your cheeks what? and many other places that I found terrifying, uh, such as your fingers and your eyes. Oh, like on your eyeball? And your brain. What? <laughs> Whoa, how yeah. do they see it? Uh, on, on your brain? Yeah. Uh, they don't see it, you just die. Oh, and they see it afterwards. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. <laughs> There's like, which I guess I will get to at some point, like a case of one guy like surviving and then uh, his brain was all messed up as a result. So it's really kind of sad. So basically they break open and form ulcers. And so that's basically just like... I I quoted from an article by someone named Robbins that an ulcer is the breach of the continuity of the skin, though basically like mucous membrane coming out of your uh, tissue. Beautiful. I love it. 90% of people will get a cold sore at some point in their lives. Most people just get it like once when they first get herpes. So a lot of people will get it when they're kids and they just won't even remember. And they'll get it the first time and then they'll never get it again. And basically that just means that their bodies are better at, they have like antibodies that are better than other folks at getting rid of Differently the symptoms. Differently Thank you. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> yeah. But they have different antibodies. I do not have those antibodies, apparently. This I find very interesting that uh, they disproportionately affect women and poor people and people in, um, well, the articles I read kept saying developing world, which is like a problematic term, but basically not uh, like basically countries where there's been um, a lot of poverty. And I think that it's interesting that nobody has spent as much time to um, come up with a vaccine. And my theory is because it disproportionately affects women and poor people. Um. Pretty consistent (laughs) with, you know, the history of the world. Yeah. So apparently it's pretty harmless unless you have like other, which is probably part also why they haven't ever really invented a vaccine because it's pretty harmless. Um, But it can be life threatening if you have like other things, like if you have AIDS and if you have eczema, it can get really, really bad, apparently. I mean, they did make medicine to make people's boners work better. So yeah, they that's could true. probably put a little bit of money into a herpes vaccine. Probably. <laughs> it can spread into your eyeballs, um, which I, like, I think having a cold sore is maybe one of the worst feelings in the world And I think probably for me, that's because I have like a lot of psychological shit attached to it because I got bullied a lot having cold sores as a kid. But the idea of having a cold sore in your eye just 
it just makes me want to, I don't know, curl up in a hole. Like, I would never want to have that experience. I feel really, really bad for anyone that that's happened to. And so apparently from your eye, it can spread to your brain and it can lead to meningitis, which is an infection of your brain membranes, or I'm going to pronounce this wrong, encephalitis, which is an inflammation of brain tissue. I think you actually pronounced that correctly. Yay. <laughs> um, is so there you, a horror film about this yet? Uh, there should be. <laughs> you can just get a cold sore in your brain and then you have a very short time period um, to not die. Uh, and most people just die if they get encephalitis. So the ways that you can spread it is uh, by kissing or any other direct contact with bodily fluids, sharing towels. Also, it's transmitted through childbirth, which is probably how I got it. Not giving birth, but being born. Thanks, um, mom. Because <laughs> my mom also has it and I have had it for as long as I can remember. And so I started research because this is something that I've like researched over and over and over again because I am like constantly trying to figure out how to not get cold sores. So there's a lot of like pseudoscience out there about uh, whether or not certain things can prevent or cause uh, cold sores. So some people are in the camp of like it's really related to the foods that you eat. Other probably more legitimate theories is that it has to do with like the heat of your like or like the temperature of your body so like fevers usually cause them which is pretty apropos to my own experience and uh allergies and also sunburns which is definitely when I get them like really really bad also wind (laughs) Um, but I think that's like when you're like in really really bad wind and um you know you're face gets pummeled wind burn. wind burn yeah wind burn it's not just from like being outside it sounds like you can get them just um, from being outside yes which is why i have a theory that i'm secretly a vampire <laughs> <laughs> and also apparently menstruation but i don't think mine really line up so canker sores are actually different so if you get them inside of your mouth um they're not the same thing i found it really interesting that apparently they um Like, the virus lives in your neurons. I don't know if this is a thing that all viruses do. I don't know how viruses work. But um, they're, like, in your sensory nerves. And so I think that's probably why they hurt so bad is, like, my theory. Yeah, or, like, because they they seem like they're kind of activated by more, like, harsh sensory experiences. Mm Mm-hmm. So apparently if you have them super, super bad, you can get, like, antiviral medication um also things like uh lysine uh supplements help i sometimes take lysine supplements when i remember to take vitamins on a regular basis and there's some other things that like hippie websites say will help like licorice uh and zinc apparently but as far as i could find nobody's really looking for a vaccine but if you are i'm willing to be a test subject (laughs) (laughs) so at first i was like really afraid when i found out this next thing uh but then i found out that basically everyone thinks that uh everything causes alzheimer's um and but supposedly there's been some um theories that having the herpes virus uh could be a leading cause of getting alzheimer's later in life but 
the more that I looked into it, there's a study for everything causing it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, so apparently we have known about herpes for 2,000 years as human beings. And Hippocrates was supposedly the first person, like, in writing or whatever, uh, oral history, I don't know, recorded history. I don't know. If I think Hippoc- they wrote Did they write? 2,000 years ago. <laughs> like, well, apparently Hippocrates is the first person to talk about them. Uh, but also that's debatable since, like, we're probably referring to, like, European history and maybe other cultures talked about herpes before Hippocrates. Who knows? Do you think that there are, like, cave paintings of herpes? <laughs> I hope so. I hope uh, so, too. There was apparently an emperor in Rome who at one point outlawed kissing because everyone was getting herpes. That does not sound particularly Roman. <laughs> Um, I was also really excited that apparently there's a line in Romeo and Juliet that references herpes. Really? Yeah. The angry Mab monologue that the Marcuccio. I didn't know says. I was going to have to study up on Shakespeare for this. <laughs> um, I actually uh, memorized that in eighth grade, but I don't remember it now. <laughs> oh, good work. We discovered the virus that uh, causes herpes uh, in the 40s. Um, we started trying to treat it in the 60s. And have apparently made no progress. <laughs> and made no progress. Um, but apparently there was, like, less um, of an emphasis to really do anything about it once the 70s hit because there were all of these marketing campaigns um, that were intended to sell drugs. So they were, like, big pharma or whatever. But then that sort of caused this huge, like, stigma against people with herpes and so then it sort of became this like well you're a bad person and it's all your fault and it was like that was the start of like basically people thinking that you're gross and dirty if you had herpes that stigma was not there before it's no it's like shaving your legs or shaving your armpits you know how like people just used to think like oh it's fine people human beings have hair and people were just like okay herpes sucks i guess but like it's just a thing that happens and then because the 70s were trying to get people to buy drugs to like you know make cultures go away faster all the ads made it sound like you're such a like disgusting person who shouldn't go out in public if you have herpes and that started making people actually stigmatizing other people with herpes so that's so sad thank you advertising (laughs) On the plus side, uh, people were able to use, scientists were able to use the, specifically the oral herpes virus as confirmation of the human migration pattern of humans coming out of Africa as being like an origin place. And the, that virus in particular was like how they traced and like have more evidence for humans originating in Africa. I think that's really interesting. So thanks herpes. You done one good thing. Yeah, I mean, I think that that maybe is up in the air right now, whether they still think people originated from Do they really? I don't yeah. know if I've read about that. They've discovered some new stuff recently, but, oh, you well. know, I feel like that cycle is going to happen every 10 to 20 years. Is it racist, every... though? Is it like, uh, like uh, racist being like, mm-mm, we're not from Africa? <laughs> I, I think they just found somebody whose bones are really, really, really old in a different part of the world, and I don't remember where it is. That's interesting. Yeah, so more on brain herpes. Yes. Uh, so supposedly people who have had herpes in their brain, if they survive, which apparently it's not a good chance, 
so they will have like unique forms of brain damage. Um, they'll be unable to recognize entire classes of things like animals or objects. So you would, it's like, it just erased the concept of animals from Whoa. your head. <laughs> like, like I didn't even realize that concepts like that were stored in a little yeah. encapsulated space. Yeah, so apparently how they figure that out is a test where they, like, made up a monster and also showed real animals, and then people could not tell who, what one was fake. Whoa. Yeah. So that's crazy. Crazy isn't fascinating. Um, and so... I like that you could live in this world with a... a- completely different reality of yeah what kind of animals exist and which don't also would that just make you like i don't know i mean it'd probably be like really difficult to yeah. live in the world oh, like I that but like really maybe hard. there's always like you know made that one side of like you have a really incredible imagination if you're not limited by like the yeah. concepts or that, of... like every time you rediscovered what an animal species looks like or exists as it's like uh amazing and you can be awestruck like over and over again <laughs> like you get to relive your uh your childhood discovery of amazing creatures like what this is a fucking zebra <laughs> zebras are legit <laughs> Here's something that I had no idea about before I started researching it. Uh, apparently, another word for uh, herpes, or several other words for herpes, were uh, scrum pox, what? wrestlers herpes, or mat pox, because <laughs> wrestlers get hella herpes from being all up close and personal with each other. Mm. And other people who are very highly likely to get herpes is dentists, which kind of makes sense. Um, and children who suck their thumbs, um, which also kind of makes sense. Somehow I avoided it. <laughs> Did you suck your thumb a lot? Mm-hmm. Did you get, like, were you one of those kids that had, like, a f- fucked up thumb? No. As a result? Not, not that I know of. We should find somebody to be a guest. No, on. side note, I used to suck my thumb a lot, and then when I stopped doing that, I would suck on the collar of my shirt. Oh, I used to like, suck on my necklaces. I was through, one of those like, kids. Well, yeah, yeah, I did the shirt thing, like, maybe up through, like, first grade, at which point people started to tell me I was disgusting, and then I think I switched to necklaces, because that was less obvious. <laughs> Le- necklaces, like, legit taste good. Like... <laughs> Really? Let's be real. (laughs) Buying, like, flavored (laughs) plastic necklaces from Claire's or something? No, I don't know. Like, I think as a kid, I, like, I, like, have memories of, like, actually liking that metal-y taste. Yeah. Do you also like the taste of blood? Kind of. Okay. I told you it was a vampire. There it is. (laughs) Yeah, so there's a bunch of different kind of herpes. I went... I, like, followed Wikipedia until I got to neonatal herpes, which just, like, made me really sad. And so then I was like, oh, I don't want to read about that. Herpes might be, like, one of the oldest viruses. It supposedly affected, like, our ancestors or whatever, like, before we were human beings. Um, There's, like, evidence that it's been around since... um, there was like the evolutionary split that made us like stand upright. Do other animals get herpes? I think so. I think chimps do. 
I didn't read, I didn't, maybe I researched that and couldn't really find it. Um, well, chimps must, if it's like, we went this way, chimps went the other way, and like, they had it, so I would assume at least chimps have it. Um, I mean, there's cat aids, so I'm assuming that there's probably other kinds of, I mean, our cat has herpes. Yeah. I forgot about that. <laughs> is that, diff- is, I know there's all kinds of different things that so- sort of sound like herpes. Is, is it that similar of a virus to what you have? Um. Because cat herpes affects their Yeah, so it's in their eyes. eyeballs. Yeah. Yeah, but I think it's the same thing. Okay. I don't know if it's like the exact same virus, but I think it, I mean, but chili doesn't get, uh like sores that are visible yeah he just has like weird eye goobers yeah um i think it's really common in cats so you know we're probably better at treating it in cats than we are in people so i found a list of things to avoid um if you don't want to get herpes one is stress (laughs) which okay um i'm gonna add that to my list (laughs) so that's never gonna happen for me Staying out of the sun, which really isn't a problem for me, um, plus we live in, uh, or like nearly in the place that they made Twilight, so there's no sun here. I think we have, we have the lowest number of calendar days of sunshine. Yeah. So, um, real close in competition with forks. And don't get a face peel, which I was never going to do anyway. A face peel? Is that like a type of facial? I think so. I don't know what facials are. I've never had one. <laughs> uh, my brain immediately went to the other kind of facial. Okay. <laughs> Is that on the list too? <laughs> Gross things to do with your body. Um, we should probably like, um, regardless of someone's gender, have like a whole episode on like different kinds of ejaculation that should probably happen at some point i'll add it to the list (laughs) um also this is not a problem for me although maybe explains why i got a lot of cold sores when i was a tween in the 90s uh you should avoid using lip liner what yeah (laughs) is that because lip liner is made out of chemicals that are bad or because it like clogs your lip Pores. I think it just irritates the area that is likely to uh, get herpes. So, okay. Um, I do find that if I wear not even just lip liner, but like lipstick and stuff more often, then huh. like I don't know if my face just isn't getting like oxygen or something. I don't know. But has can a- we take a step back for a moment? <laughs> You mentioned different kinds of ejaculation. <laughs> what what different kinds are there? Vaginal versus penile. Okay. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> so there are not like weird magical kinds of penile ejaculation that we don't talk about in health class in high school? Not that I know of, but I don't have a penile, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to ask them. We need to get uh, an expert on the show. Like, a dude. Well, if you want to be an expert on our show, not, you know, this is a great time to talk about this. Not not dudes have penises, also. That's true. You're right. Um, what we want to start doing is having Oops. guests on this show sort of, like, 
uh, expert guests, although our, our definition of expert is quite loose. Like, maybe <laughs> just somebody who has experienced a gross thing before. So if you have experienced a gross body thing and you are, like, absolutely bubbling over wanting to talk about it, like we are, that is totally normal and awesome, and you should be on our podcast. So send us uh, an email, and we we will figure out an email address, because <laughs> we don't have one. Come find us in public somewhere and yell loudly about your gross thing. Uh, rate us on iTunes now. <laughs> <laughs> So um, this is kind of going into a second thing, but um, so I have both I have both herpes and have frequently gotten what is called impetigo, which is easily mistaken for herpes. Um, and so impetigo basically it comes from a word that means like skin eruption. So it's exactly what it sounds like. Um, apparently stems... Skin volcano. Yeah. Stems from the verb impeter, which means to attack, um, as in like impetus. Uh, how it manifests is yellowish crusts on mm-hmm. your face. It generally appears as honey-colored scabs. Um, <laughs> which sounds a lot more beautiful than um, it actually is. Delicious. Basically, it's like a bacteria from your nose, your uh, nasal flora, gets... Um, oh, that sounds so cute. <laughs> like, like, onto your skin, and there's, like, too much of it, um, and it's basically a staph infection. Um, Not so and anymore. Yeah. It's also uh, the same staph infection that uh, is usually responsible for food poisoning, which just makes sense because my body is apparently filled with this bacteria. Wait, staph infections cause food poisoning? The same bacteria, apparently. Huh. And so, since I have food poisoning more than any other human being that I've ever met, and I've gotten in pedigo at least four times in my life... Um, You're just like a staph just factory. A staph factory. You probably remember, uh, what uh-huh. was this, like, two, three, two years ago? Two and a half I years ago? I think it was a little more than that. I moved back here from to Bellingham from New York and went on what um, I thought was going to be a uh, fun canoe adventure. Um, <laughs> and I uh, was out the start of sun. our horror film. yeah. Uh, totally. Like, what is it? Friday the 13th. <laughs> um, out in the sun um, on canoe journey and uh, went and was out in the ocean. Um, my theory is maybe this uh, bacteria was living in the ocean. Um, and I started to get a cold sore and was out in the middle of nowhere on an island. And so I didn't get to, like, treat it immediately. And... Um, when I came home, it just started getting worse and worse, and uh, eventually was my whole mouth. Um, like, all of my lips were cold sores, <laughs> and the cold sores fused in some degree with the staph infection, so I looked like the elephant man. <laughs> it, it, was, <laughs> it was not a good look. It was... <laughs> Um, imagine a whole mouth full of honey-colored scabs. 
and I it hurt really bad, and they kept cracking and bleeding, and I'm surprised that the person I was dating at the time decided to marry me, and not that soon after. <laughs> that was what did it, actually. <laughs> that was kind of me being like, I can marry this person if He's they like, will wow, look now I get me to see Jessica at her best. <laughs> While I couldn't even talk, um, I could barely move my lips, and I went to the doctor, and I was like, these cold sores are out of control. And she was like, oh, no, that's a staph infection. You should have come in here a long time ago. Um, even though, honestly, that had happened in, like, an overnight period. So it was really terrifying. To treat it, they give you antibacterial cream. And so I was slathering antibacterial cream all over my mouth. And it just pretty almost immediately started, like, sloughing off and, like, Actually, quite similar to honey. <laughs> um, just dripping off my mouth. So I spent about a week having to, like, constantly tip my face forward with, like, paper towels in front of me in case the disgusting goo that was coming off of my mouth would fall in into my mouth. <laughs> Which I managed to avoid. And I was really lucky I was unemployed at the time. <laughs> I would have probably gotten fired for missing that much work. Um, you, you wouldn't go to work like that. Oh, fuck no. Remember we went to Joanne's and they looked afraid of me? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I was just like, I, I'm a monster. <laughs> I thought it was pretty cool having a monster friend. <laughs> Last few fun facts. I looked up uh, celebrities with herpes. In case you didn't know... Do not ever have sex with Derek Jeter uh, because he has herpes and never tells anyone. And he's been sued like a bajillion times because he's given like every woman in Hollywood herpes. It's crazy. Also, Usher apparently paid his stylist over a million dollars to settle a lawsuit about him giving her herpes. I, you know... You could give me herpes for a million dollars. I know. Like, I would just, I would happily make that trade. Um, I wish someone would pay me a million Usher. dollars. If it was from Usher, I'd probably do it for less than a million. Yeah. Uh, Derek Jeter, though, definitely not. Derek Jeter's a good cat, though. Shout out to we Steve. Do know, we do know a good cat named Derek Jeter. You're right. Um, well, my computer died, so... Um, I think you had one thing left about your arch nemesis. What? Oh, yeah! <laughs> um, I was also very stoked to find out that, uh, my, so, well, my supposed arch nemesis, uh, Katie Holmes, uh, ha also has herpes, um, which, who I only refer to as my arch nemesis because when I was training for a marathon several years ago, my only goal was to run it faster than Katie Holmes, and I did. Suck it, Katie Holmes. <laughs> um, but, you know, now I guess there, we can have a, a truce because I know that uh, she suffers the pain that is herpes Do simplex you think she's virus. ever had staph face? <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think Dawson, the the Creek of Dawson had uh Oh, I'm sure that everybody on Dawson's Creek had herpes and staff face at some point. He probably just had a really good makeup artist on that show. 
I feel like that would just uh, putting makeup on a cold sore sounds like a really bad idea. Oh no, I think you have to like layer liquid latex over ugh. it first, or but something. but that would just make it worse. Probably that would just oh, I would be like, sorry, this episode is not coming to the WB. We're gonna have to hold off. <laughs> they didn't have good CG back then. I don't think they could have. Oh, do you think they can just CG stuff? Oh, like that definitely. Often? They like CG Angelina Jolie's tattoos off. That makes me really jealous about like every time i get a zit <laughs> like when are we gonna have walking cg um like, soon when we edit your image in real life when we hack the simulation that we all live in uh, yeah good point okay let's talk about my thing yeah also can be hella gross um so i'm thankful i have a pretty mild case of this what i get is infected sweat glands and if you get isolated cases of it, uh, or just every once in a while, it's called folliculitis. And um, that name? folliculitis, it, it just rolls like off a the tongue. Sex term. It, well, <laughs> from here on out, maybe it like is. You folliculitis, and still doesn't <laughs> sound that sexy to me. Um, so. As human beings, we have two different kinds of sweat glands. One is called the eccrine sweat gland, and that's just your normal run-of-the-mill sweat duct all over your body um, that produces normal sweat like when you exercise and when you have to cool down. And then we have these other sweat glands called apocrine sweat glands, which are like big monstrous sweat glands. That don't actually um, excrete on the surface. They excrete into a hair follicle and they come out that way. And also in your hair follicle, in addition to the hair, is where your sebaceous glands live. And those are the things that secrete sebum on your skin, which is like oil. Yes, they lubricate your skin. Mm. So the hair follicle glands, or the hair follicles that, that have these glands in them, are are the like the places on your body where you have uh, hair that is not on your head? They're in your armpits. They're in your groin. Um, they're in your butt crack, and <laughs> also like under your breasts. And then I if have, wait, I don't have hairs under my. Breasts. I I don't either. I think that's like the mystery area. Some people <laughs> probably do. What and if then, you just had like this like beautiful line? <laughs> under boob hair i you know (laughs) sounds lovely i when i was looking at pictures of this don't look at pictures of this by the way um don't look at pictures of anything we talk about just let us describe it to you and use your imagination um i did see some pictures of men with this across their chest so maybe it does just happen to it doesn't seem to really happen on people's heads that much but maybe it does just happen to other parts of your body that can have hair like that so i do have nipple hairs though yeah oh totally that's normal by the way yep (laughs) i have i have (laughs) i have like four dark nipple hairs they grow in strong and hardy (laughs) ditto (laughs) so we have like millions of these sweat glands right um and we totally know how the eccrine glands work they like we have good handle on those we don't seem to fully understand how the apocrine glands work yet. Hmm. Um, they have a different mechanism of secretion. You can look more into it if you want to. But it looked to me from my super basic understanding that the 
the eccrine sweat glands, your run-of-the-mill sweat glands, actually just kind of excrete like a little liquid, but the apocrine sweat glands kind of um, slough off a part of themselves and secrete that and regrow. So the sweat that comes out of those glands, I feel like I've never seen this, but apparently it's like milky and opaque. I know. Also, it's so cool. Sweating more, just having you talk about sweat. Well, just wait. (laughs) Um, Sweat. (laughs) Oh, man. Milky sweat. There's someone out there that consumes, like, collects and consumes milky sweat. That's That's somebody's whole, like, slosh porn fantasy is just milky sweat. So that must exist. Not kink shaming. Uh, no, not at all. <laughs> Do you want my milky sweat? <laughs> I'll figure out how to make it happen. But that's like kind of beautiful. The idea of like the milky sweat person meeting the person who fetishizes milky sweat. Good point. Also, I would like to revoke my offer. I reconsidered in that <laughs> moment of time. <laughs> so um, our apocrine sweat glands, in addition to this lovely milky sweat... They also excrete a bunch of our hormones or our uh, pheromones. And that's the part that medical professionals don't really understand yet is like what mechanism of pheromone secretion those have, which pheromones we secrete there versus which we secrete in other ways and um, like what those pheromones do. So in, in the, the pheromonal involvement in the rest of the process. So... Folliculitis happens when these apocrine sweat glands get blocked and infected. And they can get blocked in a lot of ways. They can get blocked with an ingrown hair. They can get blocked um, by the apocrine gland itself, like sloughing off too much of its own stuff. They can get blocked by the sebum gland, um, which is like higher in the follicle. So it can secrete something and block off the whole thing. Um, They can also get blocked by external stuff getting in the gland and clogging it up. Or if you are the sort of person that gets keratin buildups in your skin, um, like I do, that's a whole other thing we can talk about sometime. So anyways, they just get clogged and then they turn into like a giant pimple, basically. So I get them in my groin. It's really awesome. Um, (laughs) I get them like right in the, the crease between my thigh and my pelvis, I guess. So it's like right on the line where like my underwear elastic continually shapes, which um, might explain why they happen there. And the ones that I've had are, are, I've only ever had one at a time. um, And they have gotten to be about the size of an almond. Uh, It's pretty common for them to be about the size of a marble. And I did have one that got bigger than that one time. Um, Is that the one that they took out? No. So the first one that I had that they took out was about almond size, and I had no idea what it was, and it was on my groin, so I went to Planned Parenthood, and I was like, what the fuck is this? Is this, like, a weird STD? Is this, like, some kind of sex cancer? Like, (laughs) help me out here. Please fix my sex cancer. (laughs) And and they were like, "Uh, yeah, it is. Um, And they were like, oh, we don't know what this is, so we'll just remove it for you. And they did this whole um, procedure where they sliced it open and then cleaned it out and they packed it with gauze. And then a couple of days later, oh, you guys, I just got a Tinder message. (laughs) 
What great timing. Okay. Anyways, Patrick, I'll talk to you later. So, <laughs> so Patrick uh, is talking about the gauze in my groin. So when they pack like a little, um, a little area full of gauze like that, they pack it with an accordion of gauze, and that is probably one of the most satisfying experiences of my life was pulling out this little accordion of <laughs> gauze. I have to tell you, it was, <laughs> it was so incredible. Okay, so anyways, what they found in there was it was actually a like a two-chambered cyst. So one chamber was like like super viscous, almost solidified uh some sort of substance and the other chamber was like hot fresh pus. So <laughs> that's a Liz Fair song. <laughs> Oh, we should cover that probably again. <laughs> again, we did that once, remember? Um, so they were like, we don't really know what this is, but um, it's probably a hygiene issue. And I, I mean, I was like 22 uh, at the time. So I was like, you're less. probably right. It probably is a hygiene issue. Um, sorry to anybody I slept with in that time frame. So I went home and, like, totally shamed myself for it, but, like, probably didn't change my habits that much <laughs> and continued to get them. So, like, the second one came around and I was like, well, what, what the fuck is this? Like, how do I get it to go away? And I called Planned Parenthood and I was like, hey, I have another one of these things. And they were and like, shower, goddamn, no. <laughs> get a vagina fan. <laughs> um, and I went in, I had an appointment and because they were they like want to look at something before they schedule a procedure to deal with it and the nurse looked at it and she's like oh it's an infected sweat gland they're super common and i was like well if they're super common like why did you cut into me for the other one like how did you not recognize that uh never found out the answer to that but she was like you can totally make it go away by just putting a hot compress on it like twice a day yeah, I know. So unnecessary surgery in the first one, but um, so I did that, and most of the time they go away just fine. I just make, like I get a, a hot, wet washcloth and I squeeze it out and I hold it for until it gets like I just lay with it on my skin until the washcloth gets cold. And sometimes I do it twice if I have time, um, but I try to do it twice a day and then they go away. Um, because they cut the first one out. I have scar tissue there, and I have, like, a, a gnarly scar in in my groin area. Um, and I get them a lot, like, right under that spot again because of the scar tissue. And the two chambers. The two. The two that's, that's like a Wu-Tang album. <laughs> I'm going to make a Wu-Tang cover album, except I'm going to make it about my folliculitis. Um, <laughs> and... Um, Folliculitis ain't nothing to fuck with. Yeah, <laughs> it's. I mean, I have a mild case. I'm, not, I'm gonna. I'm gonna reiterate that as I start to talk about how it can get grosser and grosser. Yeah. So the ones that I get under the scar tissue take a lot longer to go away. Usually, I can make a regular one go away in like four or five days. The ones under the scar tissue can sometimes take like weeks to go away, and sometimes they'll get bigger. Like I did have one that was like maybe the size of like two almonds. I don't know. Maybe a walnut. Now I'm just Two marbles? Like, wait, this is a podcast, so you can't see my <laughs> motion. You're just imagining <laughs> eating almonds right now, you weirdo. Puss almonds. Puss almonds. 
Um, sounds like something Katie Holmes would eat. <laughs> um, it's, that's the new goop recipe. Oh, I bet. You just put some pressed almonds in your smoothie. I mean, it can't be that different really than, like, you, snail mucus, yeah. right? <laughs> um, so, that's what I get. I, I also haven't had one in a while. Um, it's probably not because I've been showering more because, like, as we talked about in check-ins, that, that's still an issue for me. Um, <laughs> Showering's overrated. Showering is way overrated. Also, I, I'm going to be the snarky, annoying vegan and say that <laughs> I have not gotten one since I went vegan eight months ago. So mm. take that as you will. <laughs> you start telling me that gluten-free bullshit gets rid of all your problems? I mean, it, it usually reduces inflammation pretty significantly, <laughs> but um, I don't know. I had pasta for dinner last night, so. So... Folliculitis is like the normal version of this that everybody can get. Everybody with uh, <laughs> some hygiene issues can get. <laughs> or, or just normal people in general. But there are versions of it that get a lot worse. And um, they you can have like a genetic predisposition to these infected sweat glands. And so when you have a, a harsher case of it, it's, it's a disorder called hydrodenitis superativa. Um, it has some other really cool names like acne inversa Ooh. and velpuse disease. Um, First one sounded kind of like a, bra- like a strain of pot. Acne inversa? No, the sativa one. <laughs> superativa. They both kind of sound like they would be like really classy pot products. Yeah. Um, like acne inversa sounds like an acne medication with or like a car that I yeah <laughs> okay like a car. Um, there was also a different doctor who discovered it and tried to give it this nice French name. It's a uh, uh, hydrosa denita phlegmoneuse, mm. and I was just I really love that phlegmoneuse. <laughs> I feel like that could be like a an amazing animal or something. So. This more advanced form of the disorder can affect between 1% and 4% of people, and just like herpes, it affects more females than males. Um, Because patriarchy. Being connected to your, like, hormonal glands, its its onset is in puberty and young adulthood, and then it tends to taper off after you're, like, 50. So it was discovered in the 1800s, and... um, the surgeon who discovered it, it's French, I don't know. He was this like super gnarly dude who, it's, it's, he believed that pain-free surgery was a fantasy and that Whoa. surgery and pain were inseparable. Wow, it, he sounds like the Fifty Shades of Grey guy or Yeah, something. like kind of, yeah. <laughs> Uh, no kink shaming. Um, <laughs> well, well, she's a gray is not proper BDSM. Okay. Let's, let's be real. Yeah. And when anesthetics were first starting to be used in the 1840s, I guess that he was, like, kind of against them. That he called them both wonderful and terrible and thought that they, like, um, fundamentally changed just the surgical experience for the worse. What? Can you... F- I cannot conceive of having surgery without right anesthetics dude seems like an asshole 
So he maybe like a sadist. Like maybe a sadist. he had infected sweat glands in his asshole. <laughs> Would make me a jerk too. So um this the the disorder of hydrodentis superativa has three distinct stages. It's called Hurley's staging system. Um, and stage one is like solitary or multiple isolated abscesses, um, which is kind of what I have, I guess, if they're like reoccurring and they, they can uh, suffer from varying degrees of inflammation and they may be mistaken for acne, which is like they basically look and feel and can be treated like giant zits. Um, never popped one, though, so uh, myself. <laughs> um, but like can see you like mistaking them for like those cyst acne oh, yeah. things that you can't pop. Yeah. yeah. It could be really similar. Stage two is if they are recurrent abscesses and if you have like multiples at the same time and they, they open up with these, uh, what they call sinus tracts. So they, they basically, um, leak. <laughs> they <laughs> well bodies leak a lot i guess i know they basically they create their own like of uh, like ventilation system for these but they do it doesn't like drain and get better like it just it just they call it a sinus because it just exists like that with this hole in oh, it like that is continually is... oozing Ew. Ew. yeah and they they don't go away um, especially without treatment, and then you'll get multiples all next to each other. And so these, these like, sinus tracts can um, interconnect, and it creates a lot of scar tissue, and it can actually, oh. like, restrict your movement. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, it does. Um, stage three is where it becomes, like, even more broad, and you have more sinus tracts and abscesses. Um, that can cause like major scarring and they can get inflamed to the size of golf balls Whoa. or sometimes baseballs. No, thank you. Yeah. And um, you get a ton of scarring and then you can get um, even more tracking. It's like subcutaneous tracks, like a fistula under your skin. Mm. So it'll, it'll ooze like into your body cavity. Oh. Yeah. So it can cause sepsis and stuff if it yeah. goes untreated for a really long time um and they they treat it with antibiotics and steroids and hormone therapy like nothing seems to really work that well it's it's mostly about treating symptoms and you can do laser surgery to minimize the damage you can also uh, remove your hair follicles with laser uh, hair hair remo laser hair removal mm -hmm. good old-fashioned laser hair removal do they use botox uh, I did not see anything about Botox. That would be because you can because I'm sure someone tried it. Who used bo who got Botox injections in their armpits for overactive Whoa. sweat glands? Whoa! Yeah, I don't know. Well, does that like block your sweat glands? Because that would probably make it worse. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Um, in serious cases, people get skin grafts over these areas and um, have also tried, like, a ton of experimental methods because nothing seems to, like, actually um, really reverse the damage that it causes. Mm. So that is uh, about all I researched about it. Oh, except um, 
I was looking for famous people who have this, and I only found one. Uh, <laughs> Karl Usher. Marx. Not Usher. <laughs> Karl Marx had hydrodenitis superativa. So, as Jessica said earlier, it is the disease of the people. <laughs> yeah. So, can get really gross. Um, similarly to herpes, it can come along with mental illness because it 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 causes a lot of issues it makes people depressed and really anxious about their appearance and um, their quality of life because it can really impact people's ability to uh, move and exercise and mm. work and all kinds of things so uh, also you think about how like sweatiness gets like associated with laziness in our culture and like i imagine like like, that's one of the many stupid things that is, like, 100% not within your control. And yet I remember being, like, in eighth grade and being having kids, like, be like, oh, my God, you're, like, sweating through your, like, gym shirt. I can see your armpit sweat. And it's like, yeah, that's what you're supposed to do when you're working out. And then somehow how it's your like, body takes care of itself. Yeah. And it's like somehow we've distorted that into being like oh you're a bad lazy yeah. gross person we tie it to people's morality yeah which is awful i mean there's there there are a lot of things that we unnecessarily and destructively tie to morality but i don't know more on that as the podcast continues. <laughs> absolutely <laughs> so i don't know i people um People are still trying to figure out why this this disorder happens, and they they suspect that it is like genetic defect. You can also just have like defective hair follicles and defective sweat glands. Um, it can be a, a a hormonal issue, like if you have excess androgens, which I certainly do and have been treated for in terms of acne before. Um, it can be. Uh, made worse by environmental factors like humidity and um, like excessive sweating for other reasons. So it's like if you're if you're an anxious sweater, oh, like me, <laughs> this can like it can it can make your your sweat glands worse, which can make you sweat more, and it just it's like a terrible vicious circle. So I'm kind of surprised given my like profuse vaginal sweat that I do not have the same problem as you like, well it's probably just because you're better at airing out your vagina than I am <laughs> it's like every time I exercise it's just a <laughs> lake down there <laughs> uh, cool okay um so I guess that was our first show yeah uh, I have a, a tinder persona to get back to <laughs> I was thinking about if we had any catchphrases, and then all I thought of was, don't forget to secrete <laughs> and air out your vagina. <laughs> Good night. So he wants to be on the podcast.